Um, for those that may not know me, I'm Barry Russell. I'm one of the elders here at Pooler Bible. And so I'm uh, pinch hinting for Pastor Hubbard this morning. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Mark chapter 1? Um, we're going to begin reading in verse 40. Um, my task today is to close out Mark chapter 1 as we go through the book of Mark over the next 40 or so weeks. Um, I was given the task of closing out chapter 1. Um, let me say this, and I, I'm going to guard a little bit of what I say, but this week um, we have really seen um, some horrific things over in Israel. And um, having been there twice, and I talked to Brian a little bit this morning, we, we've met a lot of Israelis, Jewish people, and Palestinians, and Arabs and um, and they're just tremendously good people, uh, and it's really a shame that they have to go through what they're going through. I don't know how uh, you get through um, two having twins and their parents are killed and just the horrific things we've seen. But one thing you do see is just the sin. You see sin. And um, the second thing I see is it reminds me that the world we live in is a very dangerous place. And it's getting dangerous by the day. Um, and so the indoctrination uh, of some of this uh, has infiltrated America in places. And we just need to pray for the, the people over there in the Middle East, in particular Israel. And those that's, there's people that's wondering where their daughter is, where their father is, where their grandmother is, um, and, and, and that's got to be tremendously difficult. So um, I was time constrained on the first service because there's the second service, but I'm not time constrained on this service even though there's a clock telling me and counting me down, which really bothers me by the way. But I have a I have a knack of finishing on time if I hear an amen every now and then. <laughs> Let's dismiss. We'll dismiss then. Um, I go through the usual things when I prepare a message. I, I dream about it, believe it or not, and I'm not saying God reveals anything to me in the dream, but I rehearse what I'm going to say in my dreams, um, or maybe I'm not even sleeping. I don't know, but I, I go through a lot because I really want to make sure that I do justice to God's word. Um, and then, of course, I have my wife that helps me. I have a private note here from her. I always get, here's what it says. No, I'm not telling you. Um, and then I got some last-minute instructions right up here, and you're thinking, the Holy Spirit spoke to you? No, my wife came up and spoke to me. Actually, she brought me something because I've been having a problem with my raspy voice. But the best, the best advice I got this morning is she said, all right, don't be long-winded. Because, and most of you, if you know me, I, I'm usually not a very long-winded person. Um, that's kind of not true. Hey, oh, <laughs> you think that's going to get you? Yeah. So anyway, let's start in verse 40. And the Bible says, And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, that is, compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. 
In verse 42, and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses has commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we especially pray right now for the folks over in the Middle East, in particular Israel. We pray in particular for those people, Jewish, Palestinian, that have lost loved ones. Have, uh, Lord, so many have lost their life. I think it's well over 1,200 now. Lord, for those who have been taken into captivity and their families don't know where they are, Lord, I pray you would just, uh, just be with them and help them, Lord. And I pray uh, for this morning, Lord, as we uh, preach your word and speak your word, that only what you want said is said. And Lord, that you would be with us here this morning uh, and watch over us, and Lord, just lead, guide, and direct. In Jesus' name, I pray. Yeah, this morning, you, you heard they talked about um, small groups. I, I'm kind of old-fashioned. I call it Sunday school. Um, this morning, while I was in here speaking, Doc was over there giving an update on uh, where we're at from a revelational prophecy time, time frame. So while I hated to miss that, I'm, I'm glad that he did that. Um, but this morning, I want to speak on Jesus healing a leper. And, and i got to confess to you, I, I heard about leprosy, but I knew very little about it other than it's a horrible disease. I don't know if you know much about it or not, but today leprosy is, known, is commonly known as Hansen's disease. And it's somewhat different than leprosy in ancient times due to the medical advancements for treatment and all. While Hansen's disease can be cured, the effect of leprosy cannot be reversed. So if you get it and you suffer the, uh, some of the ailments from that, they can't be reversed. There's a lot of different numbers out there on how many cases of leprosy there are a year. It goes, ranges anywhere from 200,000 to 15 million. It's mostly in third world countries. But leprosy during biblical times was not only horrific, but it was an isolating disease. You were cut off from society. So exactly what is leprosy? I think putting it in the perspective will help our story today as we, we go through Mark. Um, it's discolored patches of skin, usually flat, that numb and look faded. Growth nodules on the skins, thick, stiff, or dry skin. Painless ulcers on the sore of feet. Soles of feet, painless swelling or lumps on the face or earlobes. One, one commentary said that your face literally begins to look like a lion. It goes on to say uh, there's nerve issues, numbness of affected areas of the skin, uh, muscle weakness, paralysis, enlarged nerves, eye problems that may lead to blindness, and all that sort of the not-so-harsh version. But I, I, I study after a guy, David Gutzig, and he had this commentary. Leprosy was one of the horrific diseases of the ancient world. Today, leprosy afflicts 15 million across the world. So that's the number he had. 
and he does say primarily in third world nations. Leprosy, now listen to this, leprosy begins as small red spots on the skin. Before too long, the spots get bigger and start to turn white with a shiny or scaly appearance. The spots soon spread over the body and hair begins to fall out, first from the head, then even from the eyebrows. As things get worse, fingernails and toenails become loose. They start to rot and eventually fall off. The joints of fingers and toes begin to rot and fall off piece by piece. Gums begin to shrink, and they can't hold the teeth anymore, so you lose your teeth. Leprosy keeps eating away at the face until the nose, the palate, and even the eyes rot, and the leper wastes away until he or she dies. It's a horrific disease that was fairly common in Israel during those days. As horrible as the physical suffering was of leprosy, the worst part about leprosy is how those people were treated. They're isolated people. So because of the prevalence of leprosy and all, um, the Bible deals with skin diseases. So it's not, not much different today. You, I go to a dermatologist and they check me for different things. And uh, the Bible deals with skin diseases and particularly leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13. If you've never uh, read Leviticus chapter 13, it's quite interesting, quite detailed. Moses gives instructions on what the priest are to do if someone comes to them with a skin issue. Obviously, um, they needed to be checked. And as the protector of the people, a priest will make a diagnosis. Depending on the symptoms, a priest could declare a person clean, meaning you don't have it, or unclean, meaning you do have it. Depending on the symptoms, a priest could declare uh, either clean or unclean. If in the early stages of what may be leprosy, the priest may require a seven-day quarantine. After the further analysis, and depending on the symptoms, it may require quarantine another seven days, and, and so on, until the, they're able to make a determination. Leviticus gives instructions to the leper, someone that is clearly diagnosed with that and has leprosy. How he is to identify his condition to others, and the way he does that is by tearing of his clothes. So you can see his legs and things of that nature and see what he has. The, the hair of his head hanging loose. And he'll cover his upper lip and say, unclean, unclean, which tells people don't come near, don't come near. And people could tell he was a leper. A leper lives alone or with other lepers. That's the only, only choices. And his dwelling shall be outside the camp and isolated from the community. We know from earlier in Mark 1 that crowds would come from all over to hear Jesus and for healing of their condition. This leper obviously knew this as he approached Jesus through the crowd. Something he was forbidden to do. And, and while it doesn't necessarily say a crowd, there was nowhere Jesus went that there wasn't a crowd. The, the crowds come out, it was unbelievable. People would come from, from everywhere. So he was forbidden to do that because the disease was so transmittable. You could get it from inhaling or touching. But he was desperate to get to the man who restored eyesight to the blind. 
When I thought about that, I, I thought about the blind man on the Jericho Road. And he hears a crowd in the distance heading his way, and he's saying, what is that? What is it? What's, what's happening? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And he's standing there, and as the crowd gets closer, he's being told, hey, you know, keep, keep quiet. Don't say anything. And as he gets to the point where he can hear that Jesus is right there, he hollers, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, full of compassion, comes up to the man and says, what do you want me to do? He says, I just want to see. And Jesus healed him. And when I think of stories like that, I try to put myself in the place of that story and how I would feel. So this obvious, this leper obviously knew this as he approached the crowd, something he was not supposed to do. But he was desperate to get to the man who restored eyesight to the blind, caused the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, one who could cast out demons, and on several, at least three occasions, he raised the dead. He had to get to Jesus. Jesus may have healed many lepers, but Scripture only gives us a few examples. One of the uh, such occasions is found in Luke 17 concerning ten lepers. And put yourself, put yourself in, in, in that, these lepers' position. Jesus, seeing them afar off, has compassion on these lepers and healed them. When I think of that, I think of Jesus and a crowd all around him, massive crowd, and somehow he looks up, and away from the crowd are ten lepers. He can tell because their clothes are torn. He can tell because maybe their whole face has been disfigured. And here's a crowd of people, and here's Jesus looking out, and he sees these ten lepers, and he has compassion on them, and he heals all ten of them. As the story goes, only one came back to see Jesus. Many in the crowd who heard Jesus' message and witnessed his healing believed, but a great many did not. Mark 1 verse 38 and Mark 4 indicates that the primary ministry of Jesus was to preach the good news, the gospel, forgiveness of sin, salvation, to repent and to be saved. The miracles that were done and the healings that were done from this tidal wave of people that were coming to Jesus needing healing were to authenticate him as the son of God and to confirm his message was true. As the word spread about Jesus and his miracles, one group that, that denied it and denied his teaching and healings was the religious leaders who contributed his miracles to that of Satan. Eventually, Jesus would then teach in parables as a result of that. Jesus was upsetting their religious system. When you think about the treatment of lepers by people in the New Testament, it was especially cruel, and stories exist, of rabbis throwing rocks at lepers. I heard one commentator say that he wouldn't, a rabbi said he wouldn't buy an egg off a street that a leper had walked down. They considered these lepers were given leprosy as a judgment by God on that person. 
We are not told how our particular leper in the story contacted leprosy. Not only are lepers an outcast, but they were not allowed in Jerusalem. Can't go in Jerusalem, and you can't go into any walled cities. So they had no ability to worship in the temple. They were considered dead men walking, the, the living dead. When I, when I heard that, I thought about there's a TV show. Every time the commercial comes on, I'm fumbling for the clicker to click it because I don't like what I see. Same thing with vampires. I cannot stand to see fangs of a vampire. I'm a big chicken. But there's some show, and it shows these people walking, and, and they, they literally look like they're dead people, but they're walking. Do you know what show that is? What is it? Walking Dead. That's, that's what I thought of, even though I've never seen it and probably won't watch it. it. Just looks. I'm just a big sissy when it comes to scary things. But dead men walking, the living dead. Now, we do know from Numbers, so when you think of judgment, we do know from Numbers chapter 12 that God, in fact, used leprosy as a punishment. You remember Aaron and Moses and Miriam, Aaron's wife? They started talking about Moses. I can't believe he married that Cushite woman. And, you know, I think God speaks to other people just besides Moses. Well, the problem with that thinking and talking was God heard him. And he came down, and he. And this is where I, I would say God takes Moses and, or, or Miriam and Aaron to the woodshed. God comes down and says, Moses, Miriam, Aaron, to the tent of the meeting, which was outside the campus where God came down in the cloud and met with them. And they got to the meeting, and God came down, and in verse uh, 6 he says, Hear my words, if there's a prophet among you, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Let's clear that up, Aaron and Miriam. If I choose to talk to him, I choose to talk to him in a dream or, or, or however I want to talk to him. Not so with my servant Moses, the one you're talking smack about. Not so. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. We talk directly. And he beholds the form of the Lord. I don't speak to him in riddles. I speak clearly to Moses. How dare you talk about him that way? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud was removed from the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. She's in advanced stages of leprosy, I guess. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishness and sin. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten, the walking dead. Moses appeals to God on behalf of Miriam, and she's put out of the camp for seven days until she was clean. And when she rejoined the camp, they moved on. So God has used that as punishment. This really shows the fear for this horrific disease. We get additional insight on our story in chapter 1 in Matthew chapter 8 verses 1 and 4 and Luke chapter 5 verse 12 through 14. Dr. Luke gives us some additional insight in that he states this man was full of leprosy. So he's in the advanced Stages of leprosy. Matthew says the leper bowed down and called him Lord. So when he's coming to Jesus, he's in very, 
very bad condition, extremely dire condition, and he bows to the Lord, implores him, and calls him Lord. He's begging Jesus to cleanse him of this horrific disease, imploring him, kneeling to him, and recognizing that the only hope for his condition is cleansing by God. There was no medication. There was nothing any doctor could do. It would only be because of God. His attitude was correct, and it appears to demonstrate faith. But his degree of faith is not what caused his cleansing. Now, I'll say this. You hear, if you just exercise your faith, and there's something to exercise in your faith, God will do this for you, as if I, my faith can be directed towards God for anything I want. And listen, I do have faith. And listen, I get a cold, and I'm going, Lord, don't let this be pneumonia. I stub my toe, and I'm like, you've got to help me here. Toes hurt. But his degree of faith is not what caused his healing, his cleansing. We find that reason in the next verse. In verse 41, in verse 41 then Jesus moved with compassion. That's why he healed him, because he had compassion on him. People would not normally have compassion on a leper. Listen. We would be disgusted when we look at him. The disfigurement repulsed in the way the leper looked in late stages. But Jesus had compassion on him. He, had, he has compassion on suffering people. He has compassion on us today. It was the compassion of Jesus that healed this man's rotting body and life. And he did that in a moment, in an instant, done. Mike didn't pick that up. Done. He healed him on the spot. Immediately, Jesus healed him. Jesus puts out his hand and touches him. Now, he could have done anything. He could have said, be whole, be healed. He could have thought, you know what, be healed. In his mind, he could have thought that. But Jesus used a personal touch. And for a leper that's outside of the, of the community, that has no um, interaction with people unless it's other lepers, Jesus chose to touch him. And he was immediately healed. Continuing in the passage, Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. Follow the law of Moses. Jesus, Jesus was a law. said, go follow the law of Moses. And go let the priest see that you were cleansed. Let the priest confirm that you can go back into the community. That was the law of Moses. Go show the priest that you have been divinely cleansed because that's the only way you can be cleansed is by divine deity. A divine touch. The effect of leprosy could not be, cannot be reversed. So if you somewhere in the world today and you have it and you get the medication and all and it sort of cures you, any damage that's done is done. When the leper showed himself to the priest, it would confirm to an unbelieving priest that Jesus was in fact deity. And he had completely cleansed the leper, reversed the physical damage, healed his organ, and set him on a new life. One theologian Theologians kind of said it this way, although I'm adding some, some words to it to be clear. When Jesus cleanses you, there's no 
need to go see your doctor. There's no need to go see an orthopedic doctor, a blood doctor. You don't need physical therapy. You ain't got to go to rehab. You are regenerated. So if that man had his face disfigured, can you imagine? Touches him, boom, there's his face. Organs completely new. Fingers working. Feet working. That's what Jesus can do. He can regenerate that person. He was made whole. Finally, Jesus demanded that he tell no one. Now, when I read that, when it says, and Jesus said, don't tell anybody. Now, put yourself in a leper's position. Say what? Don't tell anybody. Can you imagine when he left Jesus and Jesus told him to go to the temple, which means not only was he completely new, but he could make the hike to Jerusalem. I'm heading to Jerusalem. I'm going to see the priest. Now somebody comes, hey, didn't you have leprosy? <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk about it. But that's what Jesus told him. Don't say anything. But he went out and began to proclaim freely. Now listen, he called Jesus Lord, which says to me that he trusted Jesus. He's Lord. But the true test of whether the Lord is the Lord of your life or not is obedience to what he says in his word. And this guy clearly was disobedient. The leper's disobedience hindered Jesus' ministry where he could no longer enter a, a, a city. In, in Mark, earlier in the verses in Mark, uh, Jesus has gotten done with a, a throng of people. And early the next morning, he went out in the desert, got away from it to pray, and his disciples went looking for him and found him. And, and he said, look, let's go over here. Let's go to these other places. Because he couldn't get away from the crowd. So if there's an analogy we can make of the story, I would make it as follows. And we're getting close to being done. Okay. Leprosy illustrates the work of sin. It is an illustration and a graphical picture of the spiritual defilement of sin and what it can do to you. Sin left unchecked, um, there's no telling what it can do to a person. Do you realize how much sin has ruined families and people and, and, and lives of children all because of sin? We are spiritual lepers, if you will. While we may never suffer from the disease of leprosy, we were born with a hereditary disease. It's called sin. Romans 5.12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. The lost are no better than this leper. There's a, there's a saying, you heard this, I think, born once, die twice. Y'all familiar with that? Born twice, die once. Not seeing much. So literally by being born once and never trusting Christ and having the second birth, you're just walking dead, man. Eventually you'll die and you will not like where you wind up, having rejected Christ. But if you're born twice, in other words, you're born into this life and then you get regenerated by a new birth and trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you're guaranteed heaven. 
you're on your way to heaven. You don't want to be the second death, hell. The second thing, now when I say that, some people in here possibly who've never trusted Christ, the first thing they think of in their heart, wait a minute, I'm not so bad. Hell's not reserved for me. It's reserved for people that do really bad. And we've known them throughout history, right? Don't trust or follow your unregenerate heart. If you've never trusted Christ naturally, and I've been the same way, everybody in this room that's trusted Christ has probably thought this, well, I'm not so bad. I help people. I do this. I do. I'm not so bad. I don't deserve hell. But don't trust or follow your unregenerate heart. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Thirdly, there's cleansing in the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified by blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It is by the blood of Jesus Christ that we can be saved, forgiven, cleansed of our sin. There's a song, and Mike helped me with it. I'll, I'll see if I can get that right. But there's a song, and I thought about it. What can wash away my sin? You ever heard that? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I couldn't remember the chorus. Hang on here. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The only thing that can get you into heaven is is the blood of Jesus Christ, and you accepted what, accepting what Christ did on the cross, and you ask his forgiveness of sin, and you, and you live for Christ. See, when Jesus touched the leper, because the law said don't defile, don't touch, don't touch a leper because you defile. Well, as soon as he put his hand on the leper, what happened? He wasn't a leper anymore. But even if he was, which he wasn't, that don't impact Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus got the flu or got anything that we get. He, they didn't, he, didn't, he didn't die from something other than the fact that he gave his life. He willingly gave up his life as a sacrifice for sin for you and I. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, put your name in that block, believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says the following. If you confess with your mouth, people say, well, what do I do? What do I do? I know I, know I had something hitting me going you know what that pastor's saying is true. You're a phony. And trust me, I was. You, you think you are, but you're not. This is all hitting me inside. It ain't audible. God's not going, Mary. It's just something inside of me is telling me what that preacher's preaching is right. And if you were to die today, you'll bust hell wide open. And you need to trust Christ. It was just the Holy Spirit telling me that. But then what do you do? 
The Bible says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. doesn't say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It can't be any clearer than that. Now listen, this church, coming to church here is a good thing. But it will not get you in the gates of heaven. And, you, and, and we should attend church. Giving money is a good thing, but it will not get you into heaven. Doing good things is the right thing to do. But you cannot do enough good to earn your way to heaven. The Bible says... Our, our righteousness is filthy rags, but we ought to do good things. It first begins with the knowledge to understand that you need to trust Christ. And all the rest of that adds up. Church has a whole other meaning to you. I know for me, I taught Sunday school. I gave my money. I went to visitation. I did all those things. But I had to do them because, look, Jesus needs some help here. It's got to be more than just that. But then ultimately, I realized that all I'm doing is, is just going through the motions. I needed a regenerate heart. I needed a change in my heart. And so, whosoever may come, whosoever may be saved. Bow your heads and close your eyes as the worship team comes. And, you know, I kind of struggled with just... Four, Verse 40 through 45, how do, how do you want to talk about a leper getting healed? So uh, it, sure, it sure drove me to what I spoke about today and the fact that just like that leper, we needed Jesus. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and the worship team comes, let me, let me ask you this in closing. Have you truly trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? We see the compassion that Jesus had for people when he went to the cross. He went to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And, and just like many will believe, many will not. So we see his compassion. All he asks is that you come to him as you are. You can't clean yourself up and come to Jesus. He wants you to come as you are. He will regenerate your heart, your soul, and he will give you a new life. And he will save you and change you with the power of his Holy Spirit. If you've never trusted Christ, today would be a great day to trust him. I can remember one pastor used to say this all the time. You can leave this auditorium with it without Christ, but you don't want to leave this earth without Christ. So I would challenge you today, diagnose, analyze, examine your heart, and trust Christ. Ask him to come into your life. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we pray as we uh, do this invitational song, Lord, we pray you work in the hearts and lives of people. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Speak to them, Lord, and help them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.